Hello and welcome to Stories from House Arrest, episode 19. My name is Jordan Merrick and as always, it's such an honor to be here. Episode 19, I honestly can't believe it. You know, every you know Monday or Tuesday I sit down and I go to record this intro and I literally have to double check what episode we're up to because it's just flown by and... You know, to think that we've had, you know, now including this week, what, 18, 19 guests on um, is crazy. And we've gone through, what, two lockdowns and uh, a whole lot of other stuff, you know, in between. But, you know, thank you to everybody who's been tuning in. And, of course, thank you to the artists for sharing a part of themselves because that's what this is all about, giving people a chance to open up, talk about themselves, be themselves as well. And that's so important as well. Because, you know, with this podcast and with life in general, you're going to have people in your life that you're not going to agree with everything they say. Then you'll have the complete opposite, someone who just resonates with you. And I think what I've loved about this journey is just getting everyone's perspective. I think it's really important. And I think the more we can understand each other, um, you know, the better humans we can become. And I've said that before in this podcast, and I really, truly believe that. And I... I feel like I've grown so much um, as a person just in this time doing it because of the conversations we've been able to have. So I'm grateful from a personal level, but I really hope, um, you know, that you, the listeners are getting something like, you know, something out of it too, because it's it's so special in my opinion. Um, before we uh, get to this week's guest, I also wanted to take a really quick moment to talk about um, the event that I was very fortunate to, to help run on Sunday. It was the Listen Up Music semi-finals for Brisbane, or for Queensland, I should say. And we honestly had 10 of the most incredible songs that we've had in this uh, songwriting competition. I truly believe that. I've been involved with Listen Up for, you know, I think just over five years now. And um, this year touched me incredibly. Um, the, the artists that have gone through to the finals, you know, thoroughly deserved it. But the 10 artists who came up and, and shared their stories, and their stories were so personal. They brought the crowd to tears. They, you know, had, had us laughing. They had us, you know, honestly just wanting to embrace. Obviously, it's a, it's a COVID world, so you can't do that. But it was such a special night. Um you know, if you've never been to a Listen Up event, I really, really would recommend it to everybody because, you know, the whole idea of Listen Up music is not to to raise awareness on mental health. We all we all know mental health exists. We all know it's real, um, but ultimately, we we know it now. It's time for action, and action can come in so many different ways, shapes, and forms. And for me, and this is just my personal opinion, I don't think there's any better action that we can take than opening up ourselves and and opening up and, and not feeling ashamed to talk about mental health and what we're going through, and and not feeling ashamed or or feeling nervous uh, when when other people open up to you, because if we can help. If we can help them and they can help you, then, you know, mental health becomes akin to a broken leg. You know, you're going to get help. You're going to be okay. You're going to get through the other side because we're in this together. We know the treatment is real. We know we can help each other. And I think that's so important. I think that's the best action we can take. You know, we just had Are You Okay Day and that's a, 
you know, a day about making sure that our fellow people are okay. But every day is Are You Okay Day. Every day we can check in with someone and make sure they're okay. Every day we can look out for signs that someone might be struggling. Every day we can do things like that that make a world of difference. Um, you know, I, I don't say this lightly, but you can literally save lives by looking out for each other in that way. So I really, you know, from the bottom of my heart, um, ask everybody just to to look around them and look at the people around them and uh, show some love and support. And, you know, if, if you're not sure how they're going, just ask them. Um, there's no harm in asking because um, the more we can look after each other and the more we can open up about mental health and talk about it and not treat it like it's some sort of taboo, the better we can treat it, the better we can help people get through hard times. And, you know, in the end of the day, the, the less people we're going to lose due to, you know, ter- you know things like depression. So... But now moving on to this week's guest, um, we've got the amazing Maya. Now, Maya is someone who is so unapologetically herself. And, you know, as she'll even say, for better or for worse, you might agree with her, you might not. But that's what I love about Maya and, and people like her. She is who she is. She's got, you know... She is who she is. She knows herself and she's willing to learn and she's always willing to listen. She's willing to support you. She's willing to disagree with you. She's willing to agree with you. And I think when you know people like that and you have people like that in your life, it's their assets because simply, you know, they're not going to, to put it bluntly, they're not going to bullshit you. They're just going to be honest. And even if you don't agree with them, that's okay. But to have people who believe in honesty in your life is so important and Maya is one of those people. Not only that, that's her as a person, but as a musician, she is such a wordsmith. Her her lyricism is just stunning. Um, there, It's emotional, it's raw, it's very real. Um, she has such a unique perspective on writing. And we really, we, we touch on, we touch base on that. We talk about where she found her voice um, as a writer. And, um, you know, it's actually quite a unique way of finding it because a lot of musicians that we've had on this show have found music through, you know, already, you know, writing stories as a kid or getting into literature first. For for Maya, music was her outlet. That was her story. And, uh, you know, the story is ever-growing. I have so much respect for her and what she's done and the leaps of faith she's taken to get where she is. And she's going places. She's growing and growing. And you know what? I don't think anyone's going to stop her. I wouldn't want to (laughs) try. But look, enough of me rambling. I know I've gone on a bit uh, for this intro, so thank you for sticking around this far, but you're in for a treat with this interview. So let's get into it. I welcome Maya. How are you, how are you going in the in the lockdown in the in the world of Melbourne? I am going okay. Um, rehashing what we said, it's been quite difficult for everyone, I think, and like people are quite tired but we're doing our best is what I can say (laughs) yeah it's it's pretty crazy especially because this is number six for you guys right I think so I've lost count of the numbers to be honest but yeah Yeah. I think it's six extended now we've extended six out yeah yeah has has this one felt different to like the last the, the last big one that you guys had or has it felt much the same or Definitely, I think before when Daniel Andrews was away, there was that we only had one really short one, 
with the other guy who was running. And so it felt like things were quite moving. <laughs> um, we did, we had a, a lot of freedom at that point, And now it's like, <laughs> we don't, <laughs> I guess. So the last one, sorry, your question was about the last one. I'll try to <laughs> focus. Um, yeah, the last one. I can't even remember when the last one was, to be honest, now that, because it's just kind of blurring into blurry. one. Yeah. yeah. But last year, like, we were in COVID for a long time, and I think people are changing the way that they see it because, you know, we did a long amount of time in COVID, like six months, <laughs> and it, it felt necessary. And now it's not that it's unnecessary, but there's definitely, like, people are questioning a bit more, I think. And I think that's a good thing to question. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Because, um, yeah, it's just, it's like how far is too far and uh, and what's not enough? Like it's it's hard questions to answer, but I think we just need to learn from our neighbours, right? And other people have gone through it. So, yeah, I think they need to definitely get the balance right. Exactly. I love that, how far is too far. And it's like the laws, are they serving the people in, you know, what is the be what's best for the people? I think is really important to ask. How's how's the casino going in Melbourne? <laughs> <laughs> Have they remained open? Are they? Oh, I love that COVID question. <laughs> I don't know. Do you know? I, I have no idea. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if the answer is open. <laughs> yeah, I saw this. I love that we're talking about this because I saw this woman um in Sydney crying about how she couldn't go to a a grave to see her her dead mother but how brothels are open and it's like you know the juxtaposition of what is fair and that's coming out to light i think yeah yeah i think it's yeah it's tricky it's like with um with the music industry you know mm -hmm. like you look at how hard it is for artists and then um you see the amount of support that the government gives sporting teams um, yeah so I, yeah and i i definitely get i get it but i also think the reason they support the sports is because of the gambling not because of the sports not because of the community yeah and how much it's money it generates yeah, yeah so it's like you know what what's fair and what the government do they're not aligned <laughs> no exactly it's lawless and the laws aren't matching up like you said and I also just think, like, why why can't music generate that much money? It can, but you don't value it, you know what I mean? But you value a yeah. footy game that will generate yeah. you money. So how they is should, that fair? Uh, yeah, they should do, um like, gambling on artist set lists. Like, what's he going to sing? It's like $2 <laughs> for that, <laughs> for the B side. Is he going to play it? Oh, I love that. That's so hilarious, Jordan. That's all, so of good. Sudden, all of a sudden, music is... is bigger than bigger than sport wouldn't that be great we just have I know. sponsors i wish they would make that a thing but <laughs> the other thing i've also noticed is that like with you know people who have money right now like it doesn't affect them as badly you know like celebrities mm -hmm. musicians what's the word um po politicians and like sports people they're still doing everything that they want so, again, it feels unfair in that way as well. Like, we'll never have true equality, and it's, like, coming out in this. Yeah, definitely feels like a class divide in a lot of ways. Yeah. Good yeah. word for it. Well, with the lockdowns, like, how, how have you found 
the lockdowns have been for you as a rider? Like, have you have you done a lot of riding through the period, or or has it been a bit hard too? Or? Well, last year I wrote heaps. I wrote a whole EP <laughs> on piano, and I got really into piano. I was like playing piano a lot. Um, this year, like, I was actually prepping for my shows, and they got cancelled. So I was in this like mode of like I'm going to perform. So I was about to memorize this whole poem and like I really need to let this go now because I've been saying it's like an unfinished orgasm. It's like <laughs> <laughs> like a letdown and I'm like, okay, I need to like move forward and let it go and like like restart my whole set list and start writing new stuff. So today I've I've still been writing a lot of one-liners when I write my poetry and stuff, but I've been trying to and I, and I want to document this time because I was thinking like, feels a bit Anne Frank-esque. It's like, if I don't live through this, I know I will, but you know what I mean? I want yeah. to, I want it to be that someone, me, wrote something about it, like from my perspective, even if it's not how it felt to other people, I just want to have it documented. So I'm trying to get back back into that flow of writing again and like writing new songs. Um, yeah. But yeah, <laughs> one step at yeah. a time. For sure. And I think... You know, I think what you just said is is really important about how, like, you know, we don't know how this is going to end up. And I feel like that's another area where, not to bring up the, the body government again, but another area where they've let us down in, I think, is, is uh, well, I should say at least in Victoria and, uh, and Sydney for that matter, um, that there needs to be the light at the end of the tunnel and, um, you know, that everyone's going to get through okay. And it's, it's not the the way they've really gone about it to say the yeah way. that's not how we kind of feel with the media and stuff it doesn't feel reassuring you know yeah whereas whereas in other countries it feels like well it depends on the country in europe but there's yeah. definitely shifts i guess <laughs> yeah so w- with the writing that you've been doing has it been like in terms of like the songwriting has it been topically about anything like COVID or have you sort of avoided that or? I only really wrote one song about, I wrote one COVID song at the start about like my environment. So it was just about all the little things like taking a shower and like just noticing those little earthy things that we don't really notice in our daily lives. But when we are in COVID, we start to notice like blowing out a candle, it's called blow out the candle, like blowing out a candle and like, Mm the flowers on your windowsill and like those little like things that you would, you would just live through. Those mm. things became like, is it pertinent? <laughs> What's the word that like important? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if that was the right word, but you get me. I think it was. Yeah. Thanks. Those things became really like amplified. And then I've been writing another song just about the current state of things, but it's more about dying and being okay with dying. Cause one of my friends said, I think people really need to face their fear of death right now. And I was like, damn, that's so Pisces. I need to write that. <laughs> <laughs> and then I wrote, I've got out this little, my, my neighbor, like she gave me this, it's like a, it's like a black hymn book. It's not actually a, a real hymn book, but someone wrote their own version of it. And it's very about ego and death. And it's like really dark. You really face your shadow when you read it. Cause it's like me, me, me. And it's very egotistical and very like about death at the same time. So I, I, I don't, I, I don't look at it that much, but I really needed it. So I've opened it. And the opening line was, I am to blame for death to thank for life. 
And I was like, oh, love that. Mm. And that's how I started the song, I am to blame for death, to thank for life. Because who's really to blame for death? Like, unless you shot someone, like, mm. you know, I did it's kind of a sarcastic line because it feels like no one's really to blame. You know, like you can't blame yeah. people for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's dark, but I went there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good. You're going to go there. And I think, like, I, I definitely noticed that, like, reflecting on my writing in the last year. I, I, I only wrote one COVID, COVID song and it was, yeah, it was shit. So I scrapped it. But I did a lot of writing and... I definitely noticed that I got pretty dark in certain songs. Other songs were, you know, seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. The others were, uh, it was a train. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was, um, yeah, it wasn't quite the, um, the, the happy period. So it's, it's just all about adapting and, and really confronting it. I think, um, that's what yeah. our, uh, musos are good at, right? Yeah, and we go through, oh, totally, that's our job. We go through the waves, though, you know, like in COVID and in life. And, yeah, I think we are good at that because our job is to critically look at the situation, <laughs> analyze our emotions, <laughs> take them out, and explain them in a way that is relatable for people to go, oh, yeah, I totally feel that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Did you, um, did you mainly write, like, poetry or songwriting? Um, over the last year and a half I did both I mean I, yeah with the poetry I was getting a bit political and then I was writing just about I don't know what was I writing about after that just like my body and like you know things that I wanted to talk about just it's mainly about with my poetry it's like every day what's happening in my life it's kind of like a documentation like a diary and the songwriting what was the question again? <laughs> oh, it was like, you know, like if you wrote more of one than the other. But um, I suppose... They kind of... Yeah, they go, hand, they in go hand in hand. hand. Yeah. yeah, the line that I've... I, I will... If I, if I have a line that sticks in my head and I repeat it over and over, it's like this needs to be written down. I don't know if you do that. Do you, do you have like where you get it? Like you can't get rid of it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, some it's definitely happened to me, and I, I just, yeah, I have to write those down. Um, I literally just text them to myself. And, um, Amazing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, I think as a writer, when it comes up, you're like, oh my god, I need to document this now. Yeah. And the thing I wrote, the my my recent favorite line is, every time I give him some of my light, I take on some of his darkness. And I've been trying to just, I just started singing that on the piano yesterday to try to integrate it. And I was like, damn, this is really working. But I just couldn't get rid of that line out of my head. So sometimes, like that line I wrote in a poem last year in October, and now I'm reusing it this year in August. So it's mm -hmm. like, I don't think that it is all interconnected. But I think if it resonates with you and you need to say it, then, you know, speak it. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a really, really interesting way of looking at it. And I think as well, like coming back to lines after so long is is such an interesting thing. Like I had a guest on, um, actually they'll be on this week's episode um, and they they operate in a different way that if they don't use like a line within a week, then they don't, they walk away from it. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And it's such, a, I mean, it's, it makes everything you write you look at it like with an expiration date like if i don't use it it's gone 
So I don't know. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's just so interesting how people write so differently. And yeah, you know, well, everyone's just, different. I'd be worried about things getting lost, like good good shit getting lost if you don't. If you definitely, if you, if you walk away from it, but I know that is a fear of mine. But I think you're right. <laughs> everyone writes words. <laughs> I said I'm attached to my words. I don't want to walk away. You know? And no, me too. I, I totally <laughs> am the same. But with that comment about um impermanence Seinfeld did a really cool thing I don't know if you know about this but the writers of Seinfeld like George Costanza Peter Alexander was like oh it was great to be an actor on Seinfeld because you just rock up it was the writers that suffered because if you were a writer on Seinfeld it went through nine approvals so if it wasn't the joke wasn't 10 out of 10 like you they would like you could get a joke to nine but if it wasn't 10 it wouldn't go through into the show like that's how like <laughs> fastidious wow. they were about making it perfect like they were like it was, it was yeah perfect. so he it was it best. was right and that's because it went through 10 stages <laughs> <laughs> like i watched the writer's process of seinfeld and it was just interesting because they were really like perfectionist about it it was like yeah he, it was funny when he just said it was great to be an actor but being a writer was hell in seinfeld <laughs> yeah yeah such a great show such a great then it makes you wonder how do they come up with so many great jokes yeah imagine how many work would have been pretty good but eliminated i know like how much gold did we miss out on but i think it was just what was meant to be was what was meant to be i guess yeah Yeah. Yeah, for sure and the perfect yeah exactly and you can't have everything right there's always going to be bits that like will be eliminated from the process Yeah, 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 exactly. Have you, um, like, how long have you been writing for? Good question. Like, just in general or? Yeah, just in general. Well, I remember when I moved to Australia, I was five and a half, and I loved singing, like, and I remember, like, downloading, I got my mum to print out Vanessa Amorossi lyrics, <laughs> like, when absolutely yeah. everybody was a thing, and I learned the lyrics. Oh, that's amazing. I had to, like, you know, and then when I was about 10, I would play, like, you know, Atomic Kitten, The Tide Is High, and I would write out the lyrics myself on the CD player, reverse it. What was that line? Write it out, reverse it. So I was really obsessed with, you know, like, that was, I knew I was going to be musical from that point. Mm. And then I played violin at, like, eight, so I started getting into violin. And it wasn't until about, I hit, like, 13, went to high school, and I remember saying to my music teacher, like, oh, like I was get she encouraged me to songwrite and we recorded a song um on like some dodgy equipment but it like it it worked and it was the first piece of music that I'd recorded that was mine I at 13 yeah it was cute and and then I, I that's the first time I thought I could actually do this and then all throughout high school I had a lot of opportunities to do like talent quests I was so out there just like like someone was like, is this the Maya show? Cause I would just be doing all the extracurricular activities like on stage, just like I would do acting as well. So I'd be acting and then singing and just like a monkey, like doing all the things. And then, then I had a big struggle because after that, I didn't know really how to do songwriting. And I, and I signed up for music and I did my um, bachelor of music at UQ and I did like two years of piano. And then I remember being like, okay, piano, I can't be, like, I don't want to be a classical pianist, but I don't want to quit either. So I did um, composition. And then 
around 20 is when I started to like go, okay, I can gig now and like try to get my myself in like the scene a bit and I just called up a restaurant and went, hey, I'd love to do covers and I just did covers for ages until I got better and it just kind of went from there. But like I was still writing songs from 13 onwards, kind of, you know, one, even if it was like one song a year, it was just the fact that I was trying to create something. And so, yeah, I think it's always been there. <laughs> yeah, nice. So yeah. the the actual writing started through music. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I, I like to write in my diary and stuff, but never, yeah, it was through music because I would invent little songs when I was like five and my mum was like, where are you making up these love songs from? <laughs> like, <laughs> where are the lovers at? Like, you're five. Like, I would just <laughs> kind of invent these like romantic lyrics and they'd just come out of my mouth. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. so interesting because a, a lot of people I've spoken to um, like start writing stories and stuff before they got right. into music. It must be it'd be such a nice way of, of, of writing starting it like with music could be. I feel like you'd get like a really good, I mean, that's obviously why you're, you know, so good at poetry and stuff as well is that you have um, such a, a flow to the way you write. Oh, thank you. Yeah, not I work to, a lot not of... to pat your ego, but, you know. <laughs> it's okay. I love it. Don't worry. Never feel bad about that. Um, <laughs> no, but I love to um, – what's the word? I, I work a lot on rhythm because I used to – in a composition I learned, I used to write a lot of words. And my singing te- – my, my composition teacher, sorry, he would be like, you don't need to just – you know, and from my singing teacher, I learned too. I don't need to cram so many words in. So then, I consciously, when I moved to Melbourne, I worked on like, okay, what words actually fit this phrase? And it was more about phrasing and it flowing and fitting. And I think the spoken word. Once I started doing that in Melbourne, like I made an intention when I moved here that I would be like a rapper, except you know, spoken word. <laughs> and I wanted to just like get up there, and I did, and that was like a really good time in 2019. I'd get on stage and be like, here's what I think of you and just like full opinion and really like love doing that. And, but that, I think that also helped my songwriting because it was about flow and rhythm and that mm. kind of like, it needed to feel like he wants to know you. I don't know if you've heard that one off myself. That was like, you know, long phrases and, and then short ones. And it, it was all, it all came from the poetry book, this album. So it all felt like even the cover of like the album and the book is like me walking mm. like on a journey. So that they, they're really connected because I wanted it to feel like it was almost one piece. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That's, well, definitely like the album is really beautiful and I definitely, like I can definitely see that. I can definitely, they definitely feel interlinked. Okay, good. I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah. So you, I think you've nailed it. <laughs> Thanks, Jordan. <laughs> yeah. So when, you've been in Melbourne for five years now. Is that right? Nearly five. By the end of this year, it'll be five. Yeah. yeah. What's been, like, the biggest challenge besides COVID? That's just... <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Is this a trick question? <laughs> this is, yeah, this is, like, what was the biggest challenge up until COVID took the cake? Oh, it was really hard. Like, there were challenges in... in in so many aspects like firstly I moved and I kind of reinvented myself number one so that was like I was working through so much family stuff trying to heal like family issues and trauma and like trying to be my own person I I did like 
three jobs, four jobs actually. I was like working at a toy shop. I worked for this woman with pian- in her piano company. I worked for myself with piano and I gigged and I played like three open mic nights a week and I was singing like four times a week for two years straight. So I was just like grinding. And the second year I, and like I was living in share houses and stuff and that, that first part was all just about like self-discovery, healing the wounds, <laughs> going to therapy and just like fixing like that early because I mean, even if you don't do it in your early 20s, if you don't fix your baggage, like, it'll come back later. So it's, like, better to do it early. Um, so I did that. And then then I was, like, after the first two years of living in share houses, I wanted to live alone. So that was a big challenge, and that's something I wrote about in, in the album too. Like, in Get There, I'm saying, like, now that I'm moving, my housemates actually have to care and my parents are wondering where to send me mail because I'm so unstable. Like, I was, I was, like, every year I'd move. And then I moved out on my own and then I lived next to an ice addict <laughs> and that got dangerous. And then I moved mm. here. So it was just kind of like leveling up my life. So, And then now I like teach piano at home and it, my life is just serving me. So it was like just trying to get better and better. And, you know, there were plenty of moments where it felt hard and like, you know, I'm playing in Tasmania to like five people on a tour that I've booked myself and wondering – is this worth it? <laughs> and then mm-hmm. like going, yes, it is. And, you know, so many, so many moments like where I'd hit like a wall, I'd work, 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 I'd hit a wall and be like, let's reassess. And then I'd go again. And like, I think the thing that keeps me wanting to do it and motivated still is those little moments and people just going like, Oh my God, I love that. Or like, I believe in you. And just those words of affirmation, like that's mm. the thing that really, helps and I think that's the hard thing in COVID is you don't really get to like just talk to people and connect in that way if that makes sense like you you don't get that like you don't know what anyone else is thinking because you're in your own world so it's like normally I'm used to such like like verbal affirmations and just or at least observing my environment and being like oh I can read them you know like but you can't read anyone when you're alone and and in a way it's kind of freeing because you get to be fully yourself without judgment of others i guess because you know mm. you're alone <laughs> yeah 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 you start to turn on yourself and you're like exactly <laughs> i hate it all along <laughs> exactly i'm the only one that's in my mind yeah 100 yeah. percent. yeah and the voice replies to you and you're like wait a minute that's not right 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent. you just start to go into circle in circles but i think i've been trying to mail out the cd to people which is nice and like just having like something to do to like mm. keep me like I don't know getting the music out there makes me feel better so yeah yeah do you have um from your time in Melbourne so far like a favorite memory that stands out oh definitely there's been so many favorite memories um mainly let's just say about performing first uh yeah, like performing at like Barusu to like a crowd of people and the the poetry moments were really fun because you don't know how people will react and people are always like, Whoa, she's so fire like because I will just get up on stage and just be like sassy and just not give a shit what anyone thinks and like mm. I mean I do deep down because being that level of vulnerable is hard. Um mm. but I've had some really good shows. Like I've had 
like wholesome shows. Like even this year I did for my Dead Inside show at Sound Velvet Morning. It was so great. I got people singing the OC theme song. We did like, you know, yeah, it was just wholesome and like fire and I could just fully express and my audience are also just like talk back and I'm all about the, like the, you know, the, the verbal communication. So I wanted everyone to what's the word like it was very interactive which I I like to make my shows interactive and people to be you know Melbourne audiences are really expressive which I love you know like compared Mm. to Brisbane who are a bit more reserved like Melbourne people don't mind just yelling out like Maya M-A-J-A like this one guy when I said my handle he was like M-A-J-A and I just never forgot like there's some memories I'll just remember of like people just being rowdy and um yeah, well, like staying, like when I was in Bendigo, I stayed with my friend's family on a farm, like their kind of, not a farm, but like their kind of country house. And like, mm. I've enjoyed doing regional stuff as well and being and you know, I've met some really good people here as well. And I definitely have like my own soul family and people who have my back, which is really nice. Like, yeah, it, uh, anyway, I hope that's enough memories, but those are the ones that no, are kind of coming. That's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. I always, I've always loved playing in Melbourne because I think, as you said, like the crowds, are, they're just so unique. They are, it's just such a different vibe. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I've, I've played some shows in Melbourne where I've just hated it and I've played yeah. shows that I've just found just the best. And, um, yeah, it's so interesting, like, when you think about the music scenes and which, which is the best crowd to play to. Um, I feel like Melbourne, I don't know, like – the vibe I've always gotten from Melbourne is people go out to see music a lot. So that's sort of, that's a scene. Whereas in Brisbane, I feel like it's, it's much less. So like you get like places like Beardo that are, you know, people will come out and support music and then it's great to play. Uh, yeah. And you'll get other venues, which are much less friendly. Um, and people are just out to drink. It's, it's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, definitely. There's definitely a different culture like mm. just between both states isn't there <laughs> yeah yeah and I feel like you know there's good and bad in both like I think yeah you know I mean I was I'm Serbian and I was raised in in Brisbane so I've always had like two perspectives <laughs> mm. like east and west and I've always tried to see the good and I could always see the good and bad in both and I could be objective as a Gemini because I can see both sides so I could always kind of <laughs> reassess the situation and I feel like you know there's things about Queensland like you can be just open in different ways I think and Mm. but you know like and and people are like a friendly and kind of like they're but then sometimes you know I I mean I've been too much in anywhere sometimes (laughs) sometimes you know I remember this one gig I did where I just yeah my friend's boyfriend's mum said oh that girl was a bit much and I just thought that's the best compliment ever (laughs) (laughs) I mean all you can do is be yourself but (laughs) you like that one yeah Yeah, Yeah, I mean all you can do is be yourself like no matter where you are and the people who like for me it's like about speaking my truth and people who resonate with me like that I am like opinionated even if they don't fully agree with all my opinions but I think, you know, you know, every artist is different and they have their own thing and they have to, you know, be true to themselves. And that was something I found really hard from moving actually at the start when I was like 23 was how do I find my voice outside of what everybody else wants me to be? Because in Brisbane, I always felt like, you know, 
I'm writing like what my mum wants or like what my band wants or like what everybody else wants to, to make it like it, I felt like I was trying to be something instead of just being. Yeah. <laughs> and with this album, I just wanted it to really feel like me and I'm really proud because it does feel like the kind of music I was writing in the last two years. Mm. Um. But with the new stuff now, I actually want to get like a producer that's much more electronic and do like a whole. <laughs> My new idea is to do like a Taylor Swift reputation. Do you know Reputation by Taylor Swift? Nope. Okay, <laughs> it's okay. It's just <laughs> it's it's not like her old. It's not like folky or country. It's very like fire and electronic. And I'll have to send you a song, but it's very like um. It's just different. It's much more revengeful, and I want to write like a revenge album, which is what I wrote last year. So I just want to do a full, just maybe six tracks of like kind of a mix of soul and electronic. So yeah, that's my plan. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. It's so interesting when you start to delve into like electronic sounds, and I um one thing I found doing it um like just as like a side project thing that I've been working on is mm-hmm. you have to be so in time with the click it's so really? it's like you have to be very conscious with it um it's so it's just so different like to to folk music and and like blues rock you just like if you're out a little bit out it doesn't really matter whereas mm. like yeah it's much harder i find not harder it's just that you have to be really on point like with tight. your approach yeah, yeah. Very, you have to be very tight whereas i'm just no like i love a, that yeah, I'm just such a loosey goosey player. So it doesn't really suit me, but I'm I'm having fun with it. It's been a fun challenge. Yeah, and I think you learn, you know, from anything you do, even if you do account like I did accounting in high school, you know, whatever it's you can mm. still find a way to make something interesting or meaningful, even if you don't think it'll serve you. It it will at some point. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Just with your new album, I was gonna ask as well. So Obviously, we were going to play a show together, like, yes. last Friday. Um, and obviously, I had a lot of other gigs booked, and <laughs> which, thanks to good old COVID, aren't happening. Um, have yeah. you, how have you approached, like, releasing an album with all your shows cancelled? Like, what's what's been your plan B? Yeah, good question. I don't <laughs> I'm like, have I... I don't know. I've just been trying to like still keep up with the interviews like we're doing now Mm. and still trying to do things online and like promote the CDs, like I said, and just doing as much like online content as possible. But yeah, that's mainly my only plan B, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you have to be really fluid. Hey, these days with, with musical releases, I think being fluid has always been important, but you have yeah. no choice but to be yes. really adaptable with yeah adaptable yeah. and all that yeah, yeah i want to do yeah. yeah sorry oh you go no i was just gonna say i want to do more um lives and stuff like i was talking to you about doing a live and stuff but um even i've been doing a bit of tarot too and just like trying to do more spiritual stuff as well and it's like I get other types of followers, which is nice, and it's cool to just do something different. So, yeah, I want to post a bit more on my, my, my Facebook music page as well, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. so – yeah, Facebook music page. It's so funny with um with Facebook and how they really restrict, like, organic reach and stuff mm. these days. It makes it so unappealing, but 
Yeah. Well, you mean like you have to sponsor it? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Well, I I find if I sponsor a post, even for like a dollar, it goes (laughs) and gets a lot of views and, and traction. If I don't, the view count's really low. It's um Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it's very like they really selective. make it hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Facebook. But also with speech during the pandemic, you know. Totally. Up. But also with speech now, Facebook is monitoring things which annoys me. Like you can't, I said shit shit on one of my posts, which I didn't think was that bad a word. Then they were like, Oh, this is bad. You can't say that. So I was just like, All right, I'll I'll have to get rid of it then to post this because it was restricting that yeah Yeah. and that's that's sort of censorship that's fucked like um like (laughs) like to that yeah spotify is okay with that (laughs) but uh no like you know facebook has really become i don't know i feel like it's it's like a wasteland it doesn't feel like a good place to be at all like i don't know it's just like with all this shit going on and, and like, you know, I think the best period of time I've ever had on Facebook was when they banned all the news that, that week or so that they did that. That was so nice. It was, it was lovely. Yeah. It was great. And it would like have been Facebook like a retreat. Like, yeah. It was like, it was like community again. It was, it was great. Um, yeah. There's a lot I, of, yeah, sorry. I was going to say that happened when I released a single too. So literally I couldn't post any of my, news-related articles to my single, which was great. Love uh, spending money on PR and not being able to share it. Oh, that's but, so uh, bad. Yeah, yeah. No, look, yeah. what can you do? But, um, yeah, it's just, it got me thinking, like, when they did that, it's like, man, Facebook is much nicer when you can't, you don't get hit with all the stupid, you know, alt-left, alt-right views, and you don't get hit with fake news so totally. this one is just much cleaner it's it's it was lovely 100 percent. yeah i think there's a lot on facebook even like when i go scroll through it you can get sucked down a big loophole so like once i feel myself resisting and going oh i can't look at this i will just go nap stop and then just listen yeah. to something else that's more like about self-development because then i'll start to feel you know <laughs> yeah. just better if i if i start to focus too much on it and it's hard because we live it every day. So it's so, yeah. it's hard to escape, but sometimes you just have to tap out. Yeah, you really have to. You have to be yeah. really, um, like, Selective. in the moment, I think, as yeah. well. Like, because I think um, when you live in the world of social media and you're just inundated with news and this, that, and the other, it could be, you say, it doesn't, sometimes it can not feel real, but it feels consuming. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It feels heavy sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Like even something as simple, I used to watch the news every morning and um, did that every day. And then I started to get real, oh, I felt I was really annoyed most days. I was like, why am I in such a bad mood all the time these days? I was like, what's going on? And I realized that it only really, I got started to feel like annoyed or angry or a lot more and i was like it only started when i started watching the news every day 100%. cut that out and i was like wow i feel so much better yeah i used to well, i decided that when i was 18 actually because i remember being like this is too hard to watch there's too much suffering and i mm. i was like i prefer to live in ignorance but now that we're in COVID, it's like you know the news is on facebook so it's like you can't escape it <laughs> yeah 
I think for me, it's like less about being ignorant and more about being like pissed off at like how, you know, you look at like a current affair and those sort of programs, you know, the real shock journalism that's all about clickbait views and totally, totally. Just stuff like that. And then yeah. you get these, these irresponsible media outlets who will write, you know, something purely for clickbait. And then you get uneducated people who don't read the article or don't know how to refer to sources and stuff like that. And all of a sudden pandemonium's been kicked off from a garbage piece of journalism that was actually totally. false. And a lot of people do that just to yeah. to make you click. But that's okay. Like, yeah. there's a place in the world for everyone. That's what I like to think, you know. You don't have to, you know, there's a trashy magazine and then there's Vogue, you know. Like, yeah. those can coexist within the same sphere and we don't have to ban them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I just think, um, I, I just think that, you know, outlets like Channel 7, Channel 9, the big news outlets that have a lot yeah. of influence and a lot of viewership need to be more accountable with what they report, though. Yeah, fair know. enough. Because a lot of people take everything to heart and they listen, like, fully. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. That's a tricky one. Like, you don't want to censor people and say you can't have an opinion, but at the same time, you can't spread propaganda <laughs> there's gotta that's be that's true but it happens gotta, all the time sadly yes, it, it does yeah. it does the followers yeah. wouldn't have it any other way <laughs> no exactly and i think yeah i guess being part of being an adult is being discerning and being able to decipher like what you want in that circle of what you want to see every day even on your social yeah. media and in your life yeah exactly well speaking yeah. of life Here's a, here's a loaded question for you. So okay, sure. where where do you see – we can stick with Australia first just because it's an easier one. Where do you see Australia in, in one year's time? Like where oh, do you God. Think, where do you think we're heading? Look into your oh. tarot cards and your crystal ball. You'll, you've, got, <laughs> you've got it all there. I'm like, should I get them out? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think it's going to be violent for a bit longer. And then hopefully, but out of violence, it has to come be better, like everywhere, not just here. Mm. As dark as that answer is, that's kind of what I think was going to happen. I, like in Brisbane, it's kind of okay because the government has been fairly consistent. Um, mm. It's been not as, what's the word? <laughs> just, yeah, I think, I think it will be like for a bit and... But, you know, out of bad things, good things happen. So it's like, mm. it almost feels like war to me. I mean, I was born in a war. <laughs> so mm. I've survived it before. But it's like a psychological war. And, yeah, it it feels hard in that way. Because, you know, last year in COVID, especially when the lockdowns were happening, it was like every day was like just being mentally strong. And I'm quite positive and mentally strong. But I would still... Mm go through the motions and you break and I think there's a there's an amount people can tolerate until havoc ensues <laughs> and we've been yeah. seeing some of the havoc and it's like things have to get better in order for people to feel better you know so yeah I think there will be yeah. some violence but after that it'll like it, you have to come out of that you know like every war <laughs> yeah what role, yeah. what role does music play in that, do you think? 
I think a hopeful one. Like I think we really need musicians right now to spread hope and joy and to try to, and even just truth, you know, we just need people to be saying what they think and like think about it like last year, right? The most important people in COVID were the healthcare workers and the artists because everybody that was at home was watching Netflix and listening to Spotify on their headphones. Like so second to being cared for was being emotionally cared for, which is what art is, emotional care. Mm. And I think people can't live without emotional care. Like, you know, they need it. Like it feeds your soul. So I think it's integral that we're having musicians right now. Like that's what makes people feel alive because, you know, you can't just have, I say this, you can't just have two out of four of the Zodiac. Like you can't just have earth and water, like feelings and, and, um, like just grounded energy like you need fire and air you need that like life and passion still and Mm. that's why people like are watching you know are consuming it through the through you know technology and like thank god for technology like Mm. (laughs) in that way like it's not like we're alone with the candle every night like reading a book in that (laughs) like like we you know in like the spanish flu and stuff like it would have been a completely different time if you think about it back then. So mm. it's it's cool yeah. in that way, I think. And and for me as an artist, it was important to keep doing it because last year I was like, no, I don't want to release the album yet. I want to tour it. And then this year I've just been like, well, I don't know if I'm going to tour it or not, but at least it's out and it's felt like a massive like release for me, like an emotional release for me to just have it out and to – be able to have these songs out into the world because then I can move on to the next chapter of my life. And, yeah, that's the cool thing with art. It's like we can actually document our lives as musicians and look back and go, I remember how I felt at 22, (laughs) you know. Other people don't have that same kind of process and that's beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When you you look at a song like, you know, as you've just given an, an example, oh, I remember how I felt when I was 22. Do you, yeah. when you think about how you felt then and how you feel now, like, do you, do you feel much the same or do you, do you feel like you've changed a lot since those songs? Well, I think we're the same but different, you know what I mean? I think humans are like, you know, you know your personality type and you kind of get given that and you are kind of, a certain way but that doesn't mean you can't evolve and change and get better so like when I think about it in a growth way I'm like oh my god I'm so different <laughs> you know mm. I've grown so much but then when I think of but that but it's still me like throughout the yeah. whole journey it's still me at different points of my growth you know I can still resonate with 22 year old Myra and be like I feel you I know what it feels like to be that to feel that but it's not me now and that's okay mm. you know yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. No, it's, it's, yeah, it's always interesting. I think it's like, it's probably, if music is like a, in a way, a biography of an artist, like the albums and the EPs and stuff, I feel like it's only, it's like a secret one. It's like only we really know, you know, what, how we felt. You know, you can only express it so much in song, but when we think about it in, inside ourselves, it's like, it's so, it's so interesting. It's like, you know, when you play a song for someone and they interpret it differently to how you interpret it. Yes. And it's sort of like that. Like only you really know, you've only got the keys to the, that vault. Yeah, <laughs> and I love... Like a biography about it, but, you know, it's, it's really cool, I reckon. 
it's your own yeah and i love when people come back and i love when people do that and they say oh my god i yeah and they interpret it completely differently i'm like wow that's awesome did not like i love that that's what that gave you and i think that's the other part of being an artist is giving up that control of like it's not just for you it's for others as well and i've had my therapist tell me this before it's not just for you it's for others and i'm like well i wrote it for me so screw others but you know what i mean like it is actually um yeah like my singing teacher was like you write for the people that can't write you know that want to be able to say these things and people that's why people like artists because they can't express those feelings but we can for them you know yeah yeah definitely and we yeah it's just it's such a special thing writing and i think you know when you when you when you can write and you can you can touch people like that like that's why i think it's something that i i really hope gets a lot more support especially from a live perspective you know when covid craziness clears up like i feel like it's so important and it's been it's been so hard seeing the live music scene be so affected um so if we can get back on track, you know, that's that's the hard part. Like will it, you know, will it get back to where it was on the on the Yeah. Station? I think it will. I think it's going to take time though. Um before people start to you know, buy tickets in advance and stuff. Um because people obviously yeah. people are so hesitant because it's we let down every every second gig, you know. Um 100% and yeah, I think managers are going to have to start to think of new ways of like it just has to be more in the moment. And it's hard because with music, you do actually have to plan ahead because if you're organizing a band, like with my church show that I meant to be, I was meant to do, it's like I had a, I had, <coughs> excuse me, I had a choir and a cellist that I had to rehearse and I didn't have time because we went into the lockdown. So it was just impossible to get those things done. And it's like, it's not like another job where you can just rock up and like, it's fine. You have to actually practice and, there isn't a, a level of like performing um like a, a preparation for the future you know and yeah i don't know what will happen either like uh, my mom was saying how and you know in our in europe there's like you know a lot of artists are just like doing regular jobs because they have to and i think it's important yeah it's like survival now but i'm hoping i agree with you i i think once things start to you know get better and it's hard in every country because i think london right now they're, they're, they're doing festivals and stuff still in like this in europe there are certain countries that are but then you know you never know when they're going to go back into like a lockdown or like it's still not 110 you know yeah yeah, yeah it's really tricky um i think i really hope that venues get on board with promoting shows i think that would be I think that's something that ne- needs to happen because um, that's one thing, like, I don't know if you if you, you would think the same thing, but I've always found that you book shows, you don't really get any help from the venue to promote, no. which um, I've always found kind of productive. I just think from, you know, business point of view, you want that show to be mm. successful because you're going to make money from it. Yeah, exactly. it seems like there's this culture among venues that no venue really wants to push shows. They just say, send us some posters and we'll put one up in the venue. That's their... And, and one social media post, you know. It's... Yeah. I don't know. I feel like... I get what you mean. The live music scene needs to galvanise a bit and everyone needs to work to put on shows, not just the 
the artists or the booking agent or the manager or the venue. I think everyone needs to just come together and make them count. Yeah. I think it depends on the venue. It's always like, you know, and the person and and the crowd. Um, Mm. There's a lot of factors. But, I mean, definitely. I mean, I guess it's hard with COVID now. It's, like, even harder to guarantee those things, you know. But, like, I think we need to think of alternative ways to do things, like what we were talking about on Facebook one day (laughs) was Mm. just, like, you know, in New York there was this singer who sung on her balcony to all these people. She organized like a COVID balcony tour where she sung on her balcony, and I was like, "That's cool! Like, like that's that's different." Yeah, that's like the Beatles. That's something they would do. <laughs> really? Yeah, I love that. Yeah. The old no, becomes new. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now you gotta find. Yeah, you gotta find something. <laughs> we'll get there. We will. We'll find, yeah, we'll find a balcony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what we need to do. Just find a balcony, get some people. Yeah, oh, yeah I mean, it's as simple as that. Yeah, I don't. My balcony is it's it's shared, so I don't know if I can <laughs> get away with it. But um, yeah, I think just new ways of thinking. Like, there definitely has to be a shift in like how we how we're doing certain things, and it's going to be interesting to see how the changes of the government affect like what is going to happen. So Mm. I don't know. It's all just very um, hard to predict, but, you know, I try. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who would have thought two years ago that COVID would be a thing? Totally. When it started, I was... (laughs) Pardon? Predictions are hard. (laughs) It's true. But apparently a psychic in uh, 10 years ago predicted it and said in 2020 there'll be a pneumonia-like disease that affects the whole population and it was like wow yeah and that's like it was probably like oh my god i got it right yes yeah yeah so i think <laughs> so she's dead now but, I've said wrong, but... <laughs> yeah, but that one thing no but yeah. i think people have been predicting it for a while but i also when it started i was just like oh this all isn't such a big deal but it was insane that it became global i think that was the um yeah the thing that was unexpected but in a way we all kind of felt a universal suffering which is why it feels like a world war not just a you know normally if something's happening in china or if someone's dying in like a different country we're like oh it's okay like you you still feel disconnected from the news whereas in this way it's been like no we're all connected in every single place with the news still but like it's there was there's no separation yeah, hundred percent. Well, yeah. hopefully, only positive things to come. And um, yeah, so if if um if we were to talk about your album one more time, I start. Sure. I'm going to give you the chance to do a, a sales pitch. So this is uh this is your chance. Love <laughs> so if someone who hasn't heard it yet is listening, what's what's your pitch? Why why should they check it out? What's Okay, nice. Um, you should check it out because if you're feeling alone and uncertain and young, maybe not even young, but just like kind of like you don't have direction and you feel lost, this is the album that makes you feel like it's okay to feel that way and it's okay to be lost and young and directionless and trying to find your feet and working at it, you know, <laughs> like, you know, 
maybe at a where you don't want to work yet or like living where you don't want to live yet and just like that journey of becoming an adult is what this album is about and yeah and questioning if we ever really get there how was that <laughs> okay we're gonna have to end the podcast so i can go listen did i sell it <laughs> well i reckon that is oh, yeah. just the perfect way of summing up i really love the last thing you just said like do we ever get there because yeah. I, I think about that all the time it's so it's like the older you get the more you realize that you're always just you you know you get older and you change but it's just always you you don't just magically become an adult it's it's not like you turn 18 and you're like oh yeah i'm a, I'm a man you know it's, it's really, <laughs> i'm a man I'm a real boy now. Yeah. 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 No, that comes at um, 21, you know. Exactly. But, um, yeah, it's like, yeah, you we, really get we there. And I, I don't know if you do. I think it's just, you You just, you, you keep growing until your, your tree is cut down and you die, you know? Just, uh, I don't know. 100%. Maybe I'll think differently in 10 years, but I definitely feel that more now. I didn't think that it would be like that when I was younger. I always thought. Same. You get to the point where you where it all clicks and yeah, same. And you you are the adult, but I used to think that too. I used to think after school, I was like, well, why would I? What what else am I gonna learn after school? Like school is where you learn. Like I was just very like such a student. Like well, I learn at school. Like what happens after school? I'm not gonna learn anything then. Like mm. I, so naive. Like there are so many life lessons that happen after school that are different. Like I think school serves the purpose, but that time in your life then when you move into the next stage of your life it's a different purpose so i guess the learning that i did in high school was just like what i needed at the time and there's other people you learn from and mentors and you kind of have to seek out your own teachers your own spiritual teachers and like Mm. you know all my mentors that helped me are you know really like hard-working people who are want the best for me and want the best for themselves and like are helpful like I love to help people and the people who help me are also like givers and, and, you know, empathetic and, you know, vocal and opinionated. So it's Mm -hmm. like those people, you know, and I like that they call me out, like the people that help me learn the most, you know, they will call me out on my shit and (laughs) hold me accountable. And I think your friends and the people in your life who you value should, should do that. They should be a mirror. To, to your shadow and like you know really otherwise you're not really growing you're just accepting the mm. you know the way things are and I think I trigger people because I'm very all about like your it's your life and you're empowered and you know you have to take responsibility and I will just tell people the truth and you know sometimes they can't handle it and I'm I can be too much for them but like I think it's you know, I think it's empowering to tell people the truth as well and to, to be honest because yeah. they don't forget you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think it's so funny. And that's something like, you know, which I think is awesome about you that you're like that. And I think it's it's funny how taboo the truth can be mm. in life. Like it's you're almost told you shouldn't be honest in like just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> totally. Um, like more, so much but... in society. Where does that get you, really? I mean, yeah, it might get you ahead, but is that necessarily a good thing? You just, you, you no. know, being true. 
No, and I think it's and it's so much in society. Like it always has been, you know. Ever since you know in high school and stuff, there's always been like, you know, I was saying to someone today, like, I always wore my pants too high, and people made fun of me for like just being like weird, and I was I was just strange in different ways. But I never tried to change for them to to fit into the society. Like mm. I always tried to stay unique and weird, and I I don't regret that. And like. I think the more you know yourself and the more you stick to, to those things, you know, <laughs> then yeah. it's harder for people to really throw you off balance and to, like, ruin that epicenter of, like, yourself. Um, mm. And people have tried in my life so much, like, and you know, my parents mainly who <laughs> have a problem with my fashion choice and, you know, like little things like that that are just like they're just not as cool as you it's like yeah clearly (laughs) no but like i think when yeah when you get stronger in that and like even now it's just like you know we get told like don't say that it's like you know something bad will happen and like there's a lot of fear right now in general there was before you know with cancel culture and everything like you brought up like in you know there was that and now it's still there and you know you can spend your whole life trying to impress people and be something that you're not, and they can still hate you, you know? They can still be like, oh, nah. <laughs> so yeah. I just figure what's the point. Yeah, exactly. What's the point, yeah, of, of pretending? Everyone's unique. Just be yourself and... Yeah. Yeah. Because be people open, really... Be open to the truth. <laughs> yeah. And people really resonate with that when you are that way. They're like, wow, like, you know... <laughs> I think it's refreshing because it's like it, it is hid. So when it's out there, you know, I find the people that really like me are like I I've figured out my not demographic. What's the other word? That's not demographic. That's psychographic or something. Um, it's smart feelers, basically intelligent people who are feelers really like my stuff because you have to think and be emotional as well. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Music for the thinkers and feelers. There we go. Exactly. uh, That's the tagline for the new album. (laughs) I love that. I love that. I'll have to write that one down. (laughs) For the thinkers, the doers, and the feelers. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, this has been so good having you on. It's so good to catch up. It's been years since we've uh, seen each other, you know, even though this is all video. Um, it's true, and this is only it feels be more audio. real. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's been really good. It's a shame. It's a shame we couldn't do it in person. Like uh, it's like true. And when I was together again, that would have been really nice. But we'll we'll get I know. There. we'll get there we will sooner, right? we will play. Yeah, yeah we will exactly. Play, and everybody listening will will come along, and it'll be great. Exactly. Well, just if have... you're listening, you're coming. Okay, just uh, <laughs> tickets now. Even if they're not available, pre-order them. I don't know where, but just do it. Eventbrite. They're on Eventbrite still. Yeah, they're on Eventbrite, yeah. <laughs> and your girlfriend can come because she's now my biggest fan. I really like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's yeah. No, that was so funny. Um, yeah, so I have to give context to that now. So, do it, yeah. <laughs> uh, my, my partner, Maddie, was, was driving to work and um, she was listening to 4ZZZ and she was like, Oh, this song is nice. Oh, this person sounds really cool, like like really down to earth and hip. And then I get this message uh, of Maya on my phone, and I'm like, 
what the fuck is she sending me Maya's photo for? And I'm like, okay. Uh, it's like, what do you mean? It's like, oh, she's really cool. You should play with her. I was like, uh, you clearly don't pay attention to my shows. Uh, <laughs> a month's time. Loyalty. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. awful. <laughs> that so funny. But I think it, it goes to show that, like, you know, being honest and true to yourself can it, – it, it gets to the right people. And I think if you can do that, if you can be genuine – and um, you're going to find people who, who vibe with you and they're the people you want in your life anyways or you want listening to your music and connecting with it shows because exactly. honest, they're going to be honest with you. You know, I feel like it creates a really special connection with your, with your people, you know. Um, yeah. 100%. No matter how many 100%. show up, you know. If it's 10, I feel like you could have the best 10-person show ever. If it's... 50, 100, it's the same thing, you know? It's just, it can be really yeah. special. Yeah, it's got to be your tribe, as they say. Your vibe attracts your tribe, as lame as that is. But it, it's, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Like, I have definitely thought about it that way more, and I feel like I have more of a niche audience. I like to think of myself as Frank Zappa. Um, I don't know if you saw the Frank Zappa documentary. <laughs> I, I, I really need to watch it. I, I like Frank Do Zappa. It. He's such a character. But, um, yeah, I really love yeah, really him because, yeah, I relate to him a lot because I'm a perfectionist and he's all about free speech and, you know, he was really anti-drugs and was quite like a, he hated hippies, even though I have been a hippie in my life at some point. Um, he Like, I just like that he was very himself and very like, this is Frank Zappa. If you like it, take it or leave it. And the people that loved him loved him. And like he would just do controversial shit that you'll see on the documentary, like turn his back to the audience or give them the finger just to be controversial, just to piss them off. <laughs> and like they, his audience were like, oh my God, we love you even more. Like, you know, he was, <laughs> he was a provoker. And I, I, I'm definitely a provoker too. So it's like I relate to his kind of provoking nature and just the fact that he stood true to himself and like he, he wasn't trying to be commercial he was just trying to be himself and yeah he kind of cultivated an audience that was like really strong following of people that loved him and yeah yeah that's 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 what you want yeah definitely well if i was to ask you one one last question sure um and you can only choose one thing Okay. What's what's one thing you're grateful for? Oh, I love that. That's such a nice question. Um, you, you don't actually have to only say one thing. You can you can. Yeah, I was gonna say. You. I don't know if I can only. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just trolling. What am I? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> one. What am I grateful for? I'm grateful for music. I'm grateful for people that are supportive and community. Um. Hot showers, always grateful for that. <laughs> Hot showers keep me going and, like, salts, like, I need to cleanse and my energy every night. That makes me feel better. I'm grateful for kebabs. Um, <laughs> uh, writing in my diary, going, like, going on a nature walk. I live next to the forest, so I get a lot of water. I have, a, like, a river. I live next to the Yarra. Oh, wow. I, live, I have river and trees so i'm grateful for that like i'm really in a cool spot where i get to you know and just like being able to impart spiritual guidance to people and like you know help people yeah 
so, you know, yeah, and I'm grateful to feel, like, protected no matter what because <laughs> I have been known to be a firecracker and kind of just no. impulsive. So. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And family. I don't, I forgot family. I'm grateful for family. I'm, I was wondering yeah. if you're going to give the, the fam a shout out. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Nearly forgot family, but I didn't. Um, yeah, I feel, I've, you know, I've gotten closer to my family. I mean, in COVID, I feel like you've kind of forced to talk to your family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like forced to check in. Do you not feel yeah, that way? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, so I, I, I definitely, it... I, I definitely think you do. I, like, I definitely found I've spoken to my siblings more since COVID. Not that we didn't speak before, but we were all so busy, you know. Yeah. Um, we all live in. Most of us live in different states or different cities, so we didn't really talk all the time. But um, when yeah, we visit them anymore, even if it was like a yearly mm. thing, you know those moments become a bit more, you appreciate them a bit more, I think. Yeah, and I feel like we took that for granted because we were just like, well, I don't have to make time, you know, whereas now it's like I have to make time, you know. Yeah. I Um, think, yeah, if there's there's one thing that's come out of COVID is people have realised that you take so much of your life for granted and it could could change from one day to the next, Uh, not just from a pandemic, but, you know, you could fall down the stairs and break your yeah. back you never know when things are gonna change you've just gotta live every moment appreciate every moment i think a hundred percent and yeah i definitely i'm gonna call my dad in serbia after this phone call actually and, and his auntie who has left me like 20 missed calls and i'm like oh my god i need to attend to these but um yeah it's made me closer to family for sure because of that and yeah, I'm grateful for that. Like, I've had a lot of good phone conversations with my family overseas, at least, and just kind of going deep and, you know, there's still more to uncover. Like, you know, you never, like, I love learning about people. Like, mm. you know, Gemini's, we're always like, what? Like, very curious and we'll ask a lot of questions. And, you know, there's so much to, you think you know someone, but then there's so much more to, like, discover. And, like, you don't, you don't fully, you know, yeah yeah definitely yeah the more questions you ask the more you realize there's so much more i could like that i could learn from you or learn about you you know yeah definitely there's one quote that i i I heard when i was younger and i never realized how true it was until i got a little older and it was the more i know the more i don't and it's just Mm. like the more you know about life you realize that you literally know fuck all and yeah. It's, life is just a journey of constantly learning and, and figuring things out and um, and then learning some more and then realizing that you still need to learn a hell more. more. Yeah, it's yeah. just non yeah. And there's so much. Like I remember being a kid being like, I want to read so much. Like I want to know everything. But it's like you will never be able to, you know, crack every crevice and know everything. But you can try, like, you know, you can try to be Michelangelo. You've got to, you've got to at least attempt it, you know, like <laughs> – even yeah. if you don't, you know, just like, yeah. I mean, I'm a teacher, so I re- I'm a big advocate of learning and I love learning. So, like, even in my spare time, like, when I get to read and just do tarot and, like, just 
learn more about astrology or more about things that I'm interested in. Like at the moment, I've been reading a book on chakras and I've been trying to learn how to unblock. Actually, I've gotten really good at it, but unblocking chakras and in people because we have blocks in our body, um, maybe like emotionally or, you know, we can't speak our truth or like we can't, you know, see ahead mm. psychically or we're, we're not rooted in our environment so we or we don't have money so mm. like there's ways to help people heal that and I've been trying to get better at that so that's been like my new thing of just like oh how do I like start helping people heal in this way so you know I, I'm always trying to learn new things and it really it was hard at the start because I was like I don't know if I can just you know I'm a musician I can't be this multifaceted because mm. I just kind of keep learning more things and I like to stay focused on one, but, you know, it's all kind of interconnected and it's like, you know, you can still talk about that on stage and help people in different ways. Like yeah. musicians are healers, aren't they? Like the, mm. it's like healing through your voice, but, you know, there's so many other avenues. Yeah, totally. And I think, um, yeah, I was actually speaking to somebody literally the other day about, um, how you know sometimes there's like a weight of expectations on you like regardless of your career but with musicians it's to do creative to do music and to do that path especially as you get more Just established that. um yeah and you know the person i spoke to is has got a really decent following you know they're building a good career out of it but mm-hmm. then they're faced with the thing that well there's other things i want to do too mm-hmm. and then there's the pressure of well don't take away from this or stay in in your genre. That's a great genre. You're building Mm. a career out of it. Don't change or don't do different. Mm. And I think, um, and it's so wrong Yeah, because we have to change. And like, like I'm like, I want to go electronic for an album. Like Taylor Swift did it for an album. Why can't I? Like, I like that she just Mm. changes it. And like, but also as a woman as well, it's like the thing that I've been thinking about is like, wanting to be a mother and stuff like how will that affect my career will I be able to perform Mm. like you know I mean I'm not at that point I don't have a partner but like you know what I mean like when I get to that point I still consider like well will I still be able to perform like should I record more should I be a composer like you know there's still or just do healing work or like there's so many options and I think you kind of just have to ride the wave of life and like just see where it takes you, but not limit yourself. And I think, but with what you're saying is like people will limit themselves because they're afraid that like, you know, their audience will maybe leave, but that's the thing that's normal. And like with, we'll talk with the vibe, your vibe attracts your tribe thing. Like, Mm. you know, I'm a dedicated Kanye follower, I have to say. Um, (laughs) And (laughs) With that, it's like I have, I think from the start, I've liked what he's done. And like, even though he changes and he's contra, like for me, I like that he's controversial, that he pushes the boundaries, that he says ridiculous things because I'm a Gemini too. And that like his music still, you know, there's a spiritual aspect to it and, and a vulgar aspect. But like the, you know, the true fans, they'll stay, you know, no matter what. Mm. Like, there were plenty of people that didn't like him after a while when he got, you know, like, but it's, it's okay because like the people that, or, or even they can go, no, I don't like you, but then come back later and go, I've changed my mind. Like Mm. there's that aspect of people going, actually, I may, maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'll come back and I'll like them again. You know, it's never that it doesn't have to be so black and white, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And we can't, 
yeah, so we can't ever really know what's going on in someone's internal world and like what they what they're facing. Like you don't know. I hate when people assume that they know someone's struggle or their like story. Like you know, people are so quick to be like, oh well, you know, I'm. I'm all this and I'm respectful and I'm inclusive. But then when it comes down to it, it's like, well, are you like, you know, I'm all about the, I'm all about knowing you as an individual and like not judging you based off anything other than the story that you tell me like that to me is being fully inclusive and fully just not even inclusive, but just seeing someone for who they are on the platter, like flaws and all with, you know, (laughs) without really, that judgment of whatever that whatever the you know the boxes are i mean i like boxes too but (laughs) once you know someone's soul it's different you know (laughs) yeah yeah definitely and i think yeah there's you always there's always going to be parts of someone that you you don't agree with or you don't even don't like um doesn't yeah doesn't mean there's not plenty of parts that you can appreciate and like um yeah we're all very very different and it's going to be the same with everyone everyone's got things that uh, they wouldn't the people wouldn't like about them and vice versa so i think people just need to be accepting i think um, totally and what you said yeah. with the far right far left I, I don't know why it's just coming back to me it's like i think that we do need you know i'm more moderate but it's like we do need both sides to show us you know things we need we need every kind of person you know like yeah it's, it's like right and left is good and bad it's like yes. left is good right is exactly depending on which side on it's just it's like two sides of the same coin you know it's all we're all i've been thinking about how gryffindor and slytherin are the same this week (laughs) (laughs) because they're like that that is a that's a topic for a whole podcast (laughs) yeah we'll do another one on that just harry potter content patreon content yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) my non-existent patreon yeah (laughs) i love that but um yeah, it's the same. The dark that, like, you know, when Harry was supposed to be in Slytherin, and you know, he ended up in Gryffindor. But it's like the dark and light is the same, and the left and right could be, you know, yeah, yeah that, you know, that, yeah. It's I'm just thinking about that thought a lot this week. Going Gryffindor and Slytherin, it's like the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, uh, and I think it, what it, what. Not to go on down a full uh, Harry Potter uh, camp of words, but yeah. it's like, you know, when, um, God, if people aren't Harry Potter obsessed, it's okay, don't shit ever, so. um, But it's like, you know, when like Harry gets the, the sorting hat and he says, not Slytherin. Yeah. Not, not Slytherin, Slytherin. eh? <laughs> yeah. 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 But it's like, it's also like saying, you know, it's like choice is such a factor in life. And I think it's mm-hmm. like you might be here and here, but choice is what matters. Like, and, you know, just because you lean on one way or the other, you know, you still have the choice to choose the action that you want to do. 100%. Mm-hmm. And that shouldn't dictate who you are and how everyone sees you, but sometimes it does. But with um, the Harry Potter thing, with the not Slytherin, I love that. I, I want to say that's that's what I call negative manifesting because I've done that before. Like, I don't want to get this, I don't want to get this, and then you end up, like, manifesting something you don't want by saying, I don't want that. <laughs> so I'm my whole thing is, like, say what you do want. Like, he could have said Gryffindor, Gryffindor, but maybe then he wouldn't have gotten it. I don't know. It was 
it was interesting that 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 was i guess it was again like a luck thing that he didn't get mm. put in that house yeah for sure yeah, yeah, but um, I mean, one thing at least we can agree on is that Ravenclaw is the best house. <laughs> it's not up for debate. That's uh, oh that's... no, I kept getting. I did the Pottermore quiz on the weekend. This is how boring my life is. But uh, I kept getting Ravenclaw. I was like, I don't want to be in Ravenclaw because it was the highest percentage. And then in the end, I think I got, I think I just got Gryffindor. But I was very close to being in Ravenclaw in the last okay. test. I'm like, I didn't even know. I mean, I should have just assumed there was some sort of. <laughs> quiz you could take but there's quizzes yeah i have no idea uh, my fandom does not go that far i'm afraid but uh, i'm not even that big a fan i just like the concept uh, anybody of goes the, to that of... pottermore website yeah <laughs> you're in the fandom you're in it just embrace it actually one more one more story i think is interesting um when i was in portugal in 2019 when we could travel um i went to a town called porto i don't know if you've heard of it it's in the north um, and all they do is talk about J.K. Rowling because she dated a Portuguese guy and she took a lot of their history and wrote about it in Harry Potter. Like Salazar Slytherin is based off a dictator they had, Salazar, who they couldn't speak of. So that's where she got the he who must not be named. Mm. Um, and just like the robes that they wore, like the university students wore as well in the first two years, they'd always wear black robes. Like that's part of their culture. And I was just like, oh, my God, I thought she was a genius, but she's like just taken a lot of Portugal's history from this guy she dated. (laughs) (laughs) So basically it's like part Portugal, part Lord of the Rings. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was just like, I mean, I think she came up, maybe the Salazar thing helped her come up with the idea of that, like, you can't talk about, you know, and that's still happening in politics now, like, where you can't talk about someone's name. (laughs) Um, You know, the last, we're still seeing that even, like, now and in the last couple of years as well. But, um, yeah, I just thought that was relevant and, Mm. yeah, I just thought it was funny. Yeah. Time to Portugal to learn about Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Because, like, why yeah. wouldn't you go to Portugal for Harry Potter? So. <laughs> yeah, they make money off the library because the library that they have that she copied Dumbledore's um, library from is like this staircase that, you know, that kind of comes down and you pay like five euros to get in. And if you buy a book, they, they actually take the five euros off. So just say you pay 10 euros, you end up just paying five euros for the book, oh, which cool. I thought was cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind yeah, of like... It's a good upsell. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. I didn't end up buying any books in the end, but I did enjoy just being in there. It was nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been so much fun. I got to say, it's been really enjoyable catching up. and Yeah, thank you, George. Hopefully we can do it again soon in person. Yeah, that'd be amazing. I love how much we covered and thank you for letting me openly speak. I <laughs> know, <laughs> it's been great. Thanks so much for yeah. coming on. Thanks.